It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, 20 years after Babylon 5's debut. This intro cast is a dream-given form. Its goal? To introduce the show to new fans by creating a place where new viewers and older light can discuss the show peacefully. It's a port of call, home away from home for geeks, nerds, podcasters, and wanderers. British and Americans, wrapped up in minutes of audio downloads, all alone on the web. It can be a silly place, but it's our last best hope for intelligent analysis. This is the story of the first of the Babylon 5 intro cast. The year is 2014. The name of the show is Down Below. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ann. I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. Today we are pleased to be joined once again by Shane from the Red Dwarf intro cast. Hey, Shane. Hey, welcome back, Shane. Hello. Hi again, Shane. Good to see you. Well, hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Today we are here to discuss episode 13 of season one, Signs and Portents. But first, here's an ISN report. This is an ISN special report. We have word today from Babylon 5 of a major battle that led to the defeat of a group of raiders that have been engaged in attacks in recent months. It is EarthGov's hope that the raiders are no longer in a position to endanger the station. In other news, the Centauri government has recovered a long-lost symbol of Centauri nobility called the Eye. This has been an ISN special report. Signs and Portents was originally aired on May 18, 1994. It was was directed by Janet Greek, who directed And the Sky Full of Stars, and it was written by JMS. And the Sky Full of Stars, was that the one where... When was that one? That was when they kidnapped Sinclair to find out what happened. Ah, she liked the kidnapping one. Okay. Yeah. So let's get into the recap. So at the beginning, well, yeah, this episode had commentary on the DVD. It was the first one since The Gathering, so I was kind of happy. But unfortunately, I couldn't uh, listen to all the commentary because my DVD kept freezing. I had, wow. Yeah, this is disc four. I had the same problem with disc two. Disc three was fine, but back then, I would just move to another DVD player and everything worked fine. But for this disc, even that didn't help. I'll get to a different point each time before it would stop. So I finally had to watch the episode on Amazon, but I couldn't get through all of the commentary, unfortunately. Yeah, I didn't have time to listen to the whole commentary. I did catch a few bits and pieces here and there, though. Oh, I did. Yay. Hey. <laughs> Somebody did. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, two on the box at JMS. Okay. He also, also did the season. Oh, nice. I imagine it's full of spoilers, right? Yeah, it's spoilers. Yeah, even the small bit I listened to, full of spoilers. Oh, okay. Darn. At the beginning, when you see the establishing shot of the station, JMS made a comment about how you know they filmed some establishing shots and reused and recycled them endlessly. Uh, (laughs) I hope they don't recycle that one. Yes, please don't. (laughs) That was awful. That was the worst CGI we've seen. I mean, hands down. A bit too close zoom for you or something? I don't know what. It was terrible. It was like a, like, just like a previs or something. I mean, it was just like they hadn't even, they were like, we need five more seconds. Just throw whatever. 
this, I noticed the video quality at times this episode was pretty bad. I guess something with yeah. the transfer, yeah. I, do. I uh, saw on Facebook you've upgraded to a PS3, so if, you know, watching it on high res, yeah, even when Blu-ray upscales the DVDs, it, it's, it, it, it'll get a bit worse before it gets better. <laughs> well, I typically watch uh, watch these episodes on like my little portable DVD player, so um, I I probably so won't be watching it on the on the big screen to notice how awful the conversion is. I will say this, you know, it, you know, there's enough time over the course of the series for things to get better, mm-hmm. but that's a decision you'll you know an opinion you're going to have to form yourself. But just bear in there. I mean, most of it was okay. It was just that first one. That was the real stinker. Yeah, that was really the worst. It just looked like, I don't know, to me it looked like they had uh, done this shot and didn't take the time to make it look real. It was like the the very computery looking special effects and it just mm-hmm. yeah, it didn't work. No. Yeah, maybe made that one in a bit of a rush. Well, we begin, we see Ivanova being awakened, awakened by her alarm, and she's real cranky, has trouble getting up in the morning. The date is Wednesday, August 3rd, 2258, which is actually an error. That date won't actually be on a Wednesday. So that means... <laughs> Nerds, figure yeah. that one out. <laughs> that means it, uh, it's been about four months since And the Sky Full of Stars. That was in April. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Hmm. JMS said that he loved uh, Claudia Christian's annoyed tone of voice, and he said that she was a hoot to work with. Hmm. She was on Castle this past week, I heard. I didn't, I yes, seen she her. was, and I didn't recognize her. Yeah, she looks different. <laughs> and actually, uh, this week, I I only just started watching Grimm Season 1, and she's in that as well. Yeah, she is. It was a really nice surprise to see her. Yeah, I was also an extra on Grimm, but that scene got cut. Oh, no. Oh, poor Will. <laughs> I know. Maybe it'll be on the DVD. <laughs> yes, the extra scenes that got cut. Yeah. yeah. And my the car thing- was, too. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, you, you can always try again. Yeah. They keep calling, but like my real job is more important, so I can't miss my real job for <laughs> Oh, that. come on. Yeah. <laughs> So when Ivanova um, has a hard time waking up, I'm like, well, no wonder it's 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, not, not only that, you know, in 200 years, personal assistants really have an improvement. Really, they have not. <laughs> you know, she basically uh, got woken up by Siri. Yeah, shut up, Siri. Trying to sleep. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's dark all the time there, and so, I, I don't know, I mean, their circadian rhythm must be completely off. <laughs> yeah. Well, hers definitely is. Yeah. I mean, 4.30 shouldn't be any different than any other time, really. Sounds early to us, but yeah. <laughs> who knows if that's her normal week time. Or- yeah. Uh, she goes to the CNC and speaks to Sinclair and talks about having a hard time getting up, and then Clara says that they've received a distress signal. A star fury that was escorting a transport ship has been attacked by those pesky raiders we keep mm-hmm. hearing about. Before they can launch Delta Wing, the star fury is destroyed, and we have the opening credits. Yeah, as you said, those pesky raiders again. All alone in the night. Next, we see 
is it Jordan Knight arriving on the station? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's been out of circulation for a while. He's been out exploring the rim and the customs guy asked him if He's found anything interesting, and he says yes. We find out later that this guy's named Mr. Morden. Or whatever he calls himself. Yeah. But, okay, so when he's walking... So on the second um, on the second time I watched it, I, re- I realized that he did arrive in a ship. And they showed it, but I didn't notice it the first time. But when he's walking down the path that has all those spotlights, have, have we seen that path with spotlights before? Or is this, like, some weird lighting thing that's supposed to remind us of the Grey Council or something? I don't know. I do remember JMS saying that most of this was CG, which it looked pretty bad. <laughs> most of? Most of that. It was only that little walkway. I think there was only about 10 feet of real walkway, and the rest was CG. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we've seen it before. Yeah, it I, the only thing, Yeah, the only thing I can think of about the lighting is it's meant to be kind of airport-like lighting. Oh, I've never seen an airport like that before. It was I just know, a bunch but... of spotlights, like random spotlights on the different areas of the walkway. It was very weird. I didn't know if we were supposed to like be reminded of something. Um. Yeah. So Morton is played by Ed Wasser. We've actually seen him before. He in the Gathering. He was one of the CNC techs. I think he was the guy that sent the maintenance bot out to investigate the thing that was drilling into the side of the station. Hmm. He was the guy that um, was hired to read along with auditioning actors, and they liked him so much they put him on the show. <laughs> I was reading somewhere that JMS won't say if he's the same character or not. Oh. I don't think he is. Uh, I don't think he is. I think... Um, yeah, I didn't hear whether he said it was or wasn't, but I was fairly certain that it was a separate character. Yeah. Because... I, I heard that um, he was basically cast in this role because, well, because James liked his interpretation of this character for very specific reasons. Hmm. It wasn't for his fabulous hair. No, his hair is fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> so Ivanova, Sinclair, and Garibaldi are speaking next. Uh, there wasn't much of the ship left to recover by the time they got to where the attack was. Um even though they've cut off the Raiders' supply of heavy weapons, we saw that in an earlier episode, um, the Raiders continue their attacks, and the last two are pretty close to B-5, but Sinclair doesn't want to let this go on because they got to guarantee safety to the station, but you know they can't get to the attack soon enough, and they need to figure out how the Raiders are getting out so fast. So Sinclair wants Delta Wing put on tactical alert, and Ivanova wants a profile of all incoming ships so maybe they can figure out who's going to be hit next. Uh, I have to say, the Raiders, so far, even though we've seen them before, they haven't seemed like much of a threat. You know what I mean? Yeah, they've, that's true. they've always kind of been... I mean, she took out a bunch of them on her own, <laughs> you know? So, it, I wasn't really like, ooh, I'm so excited for this Raiders story. Yeah. yeah, so far, the Raiders have kind of been that constant annoyance, you know, kind of re- picking away at them, but never really harming them so far, and just... So far, all they've been is that gnat in their ears that they just have to swat away. But they've got to deal with them, otherwise, Mm -hmm. you know... Yeah, before now, they've just been kind of something that's more of an everyday thing. Okay, well, we have to deal with this because they're just there. Yeah. Oh, two observations about this scene. Um, And they're not very profound. One, Garibaldi, get your feet off the table. <laughs> and Ivanova has an earring in one ear. Have we seen that before? Just one ear. What's up with that? Oh, I didn't <laughs> notice that. Maybe she's just... Yeah, she's I'm so the, tired. Think, yeah. 
maybe, or I, I, I don't know, but I think I might have seen it in an earlier episode, but I might be confusing myself, you know, might have just seen it in this episode. Yeah, but I think I saw it earlier. <laughs> I think I saw it earlier, and you just forget about it, but yeah. And so it might be tough to get a complete manifest because not everyone files a complete manifest and some just like to let out lie. But the meeting ends and Sinclair stops Garibaldi, tells him he's starting to remember what happened at the Battle of the Line and wants Garibaldi to find out what happened to him and why. So I guess four months he wasn't able to find out much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's months. Wow. the worst investigator. Yeah. <laughs> but it shows you what trust he places in Garibaldi, doesn't it? I mean, it took him four months to let him in on his little problem, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, but Sinclair's kind of stubborn, and if he, you know, he, he he wouldn't give up. But so I suppose four months for him isn't that long a while. He's he's you know been really stubborn about finding the truth, and eventually he's realised he can't do it on his own, and he's got to bring in someone else. Hey, at least Garibaldi believed him. That's good. Yeah. 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 It's kind of iffy whether that, that, that actually happens. So, <laughs> I mean, if you heard that, I don't know. <laughs> That's one of my big pet peeves about shows when you tell somebody something and they don't believe you, even though the unbelievable is part of your life every day. You just have a hard time believing that, you know, this one mm-hmm. thing could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. That and withholding secrets for absolutely no reason. Yes. That's yeah. <laughs> my biggest pet peeve. Hmm. Okay, next we see some man arrive and sees Londo, and they're getting ready to make a transaction. He gives Londo a box with a piece of jewelry. Londo says it's not just a piece of jewelry, it's the eye, which is the oldest symbol of Centauri nobility. It belonged to the very first emperor, and it was lost over a hundred years ago. The Centauri paid a lot of money to get the eye back. Londo wants to know how the guy got the eye, but the guy says, you wouldn't want to know how I got it. Uh, Londo leaves and we see Mr. Morton. He's overheard the conversation. It definitely took me until the second watch through to notice Mr. Morton in all the places that he was because until he started asking the what do you want question, I was just like, okay, well, there's some random guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but Londo is like not very discreet. (laughs) Yeah, like that guy is just sitting there, clearly able to hear everything that they're talking about. Also, when he said the eye was lost over a hundred years ago at the Battle of Nashok, that sounds like a Narn, like a like a Narn word, Nashok. Yeah, that's what yeah. I gathered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely sounds like that. Although, you know, also sounds similar to Kashyyyk, which is a Star Wars Wookiee homeworld. <laughs> oh, maybe it's that then. <laughs> oh, Chewbacca had it all this time. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's why you don't want to ask how he found it. He had to cross dimensions, and he doesn't want to give that secret away. Or they get sued for saying something, saying the name. <laughs> yeah. Next, there's a funny scene with Londo and Jakar trying to get on an elevator, and you know they're arguing, and we find out there's a famine on the Narn homeworld. I thought that was interesting, and yeah, they end up both missing the elevator, which is funny that they're each blaming each other for, you know, they both played a part in it. Yeah. I oh, know, yeah. Sorry, Shane. What were you saying? I said that book guy in the middle. I know. Probably late for an appointment himself, otherwise he would have walked away. Yeah. <laughs> but he got the elevator, so he wins in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah he does. 
Uh, I, I was going to say, I think it's almost kind of a visual representation um, of the current political situation. You know, the two two of them bickering against one another and the human stick in the middle. It's kind of where Sinclair is at the moment in relation to the Nines and the Centauri. He's stuck in the middle, just hearing them back, bickering back and forth. Yeah. yeah. On the commentary, JMS was saying that once Andreas Katsuas put on the Jakar makeup, he stayed in character the whole time. You see him out back in costume, smoking a cigarette sometimes. I've seen pictures of him smoking, like, in makeup before, I think. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, there, uh, there's an interview I... Um, uh, basically saying, you know, um, the guy who plays um, Lando kind of, you know, if he could travel in time, the question was asked whether, what he would do, and he, he, he said he'd actually go back and, um, you know, kind of have a word with um, the guy about smoking so much. Yeah. Oh. Was that how he passed away? Yeah, I think it was lung cancer. Oh. Yeah. So the two of them, I think, off camera built up, you know, quite a good uh, friendship as well, which you can, you know, even though they're antagonists on screen, that kind of helps that, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, because the actors enjoy working together so much that you get great, this great chemistry here in this scene that you've seen, you know, building up until this point, and you get this great back and forth between them. Yeah. And X Sinclair is explaining to Garibaldi what he saw in the in the sky full of stars. Garibaldi thinks it'll be hard to find anything after 11 years, but he does thank Sinclair for bringing him in on it. Now, from what I remember of that episode, he, they didn't show us much of what he remembers, right? They just showed the slow unveiling of the Great Council and then Delenn. Do we think that's all he remembers, or do we think that he remembers more? Um, I think that may be all he remembers, but hmm. he said he's remembering more, but I don't know. Yeah, because it said was, he was out for 24 hours, right? Yeah. But all we know is like a one little piece of, one little, I mean, like a minute, literally like a minute of, you know, something he remembers. Yeah. Well, there were several short flashes, weren't they, that he remembered blacking out, he remembered coming to on a trolley being wheeled through a ship. He remembered being hung up, and he remembered the Grey Council. So that's three separate instances he remembers. Right, but just like yeah. a, a few seconds of each one, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. So maybe he's remembering bigger portions of these sections, whether or not anything significant happens in the time that he's picking up. Right. Something must yeah, have. <laughs> but he probably just doesn't know or remember it. I mean, when they implanted his brain or whatever. <laughs> Uh, next, we're in Jakar's quarters, and Mr. Morden is speaking with Jakar, and says he was authorized by a Norn counselor who provided a recommendation, but Mr. Morden keeps asking Jakar the same question, what do you want? Um, Jakar is confused and annoyed, and he sends Morden away, but before he leaves, Jakar says that he wants justice for what the Centauri did to his world, uh, but he ends by saying that as long as his home world's safety is guaranteed, he doesn't see that it matters. Yeah, this question as well, um, in the commentary, JMS says it's based on an old um, game. I can't remember the name of the game he called it, but yeah, it's basically where you ask one question again and again to get to the truth of the subject. Yeah, you don't take the same answer twice. Hmm. 
Yes, and as I said in the commentary, uh, all you have to do to really get uh, someone to open up is just annoy them to death, and then they will be like, okay, fine. <laughs> he also kind of flattered him, too, because he said that... Um, I don't I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said the guy that he talked to said Jakar was really important or whatever, and then you could see Jakar going, hmm, okay. Yeah. But I didn't quite understand what he was saying that... Um, he said, I won't, I won't verbatim quote it, but he said, um, hold on like it. He said he wanted to just, like, the Centauri to be destroyed. And then when he said the thing about as long as his homeworld safety is guaranteed, I don't know that it matters or whatever. What was he specifically talking about? What matters? If the Centauri were destroyed? Yeah. And basically, oh, I, I think, it, think at the moment, he's focused on revenge. And he doesn't really want anything beyond revenge except the safety of his homeworld. But he still wants them to be destroyed. I didn't take it, like, as, as long as it doesn't matter that they're destroyed. I think he wants them no, to be destroyed. Yeah, he wants them destroyed, but beyond that, as in, once they are destroyed, once they have been, you know, taken down... It just, doesn't matter how... It doesn't matter uh, what, what happens yeah, It next. doesn't matter what I want as long as oh, I think they're safe. Well, as long as yeah. Centauri are destroyed and the, the Narn are safe. Yeah, so it boils down to he wants revenge. Uh, we next we see a Centauri vessel vessel arrive with Lord Kiro and Lady Adira. Ladira, Ladira is Kiro's aunt, and she's a seer and a prophet. So Lord Kiro is played by Garrett Graham. He's I've seen you know, a lot of well, he's been in a lot of stuff. Um, the old Dallas, he was a Q continual member on Star Trek Voyager, and he's on the Critic. Um, Lady Ladera is played by Freddie Ulster. She was a judge in a few episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> Kiro asks about the eye, and uh, Lady Ladera has a vision of Babylon 5 being destroyed by death, pain, and fire. There's some stuff flashing on the screen about a conference while this was going on, but the video quality was so bad, I didn't want to go back and try to read it. That's a shame. Yeah. Before we get into this scene, JMS said about Lord Kiro's hair that aside from Lando's hair in, in you know, hair, um, Lord uh, Kiro's hair is the worst um, hairpiece in Babylon 5. Besides Lando's? You know, apart from, apart from Lando's in this episode, I think he's been very specific about Lando's hair in this episode. Oh, yeah, it was pretty bad. Was yeah. I wrote a note Are on that. Yeah, he was. JMS said that, yeah, aside from Lando's hair in this episode, Lord Kiro's hairpiece is the worst in Babylon 5, <laughs> in his opinion. Yeah, they had little gaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah, this was a point where my DVD froze and I couldn't go any further because he did retell the story about how they ended up with Lando's hair. They, he did, yeah. yeah. You mean how they decided that they were going to do this entire hair that way? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so in this scene, uh, what's it? You get a glimpse as to, you know, the potential powers, um, the, you know, the Centauri possess the, uh, mental powers, you know, they've, they've got the, um, power of prophecy. You know, this woman's able to see the future, as she says in the end, whether that's a true prediction or not. She says something about that at the end anyway, but, you know, it's interesting that Centauri, at least some Centauri, are able to see the future. 
Well, yeah, knowing that's fears. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Uh, it's not the first time we've seen a Centauri uh, predict the future. Okay. Londo uh, predicted the future of his own death. Yeah, we've seen, we've heard that, but it's kind of a, it's a reaffirming of the fact they can do that. I think it's a it's a more overt statement of their abilities. I think this episode, mm. whereas you know, Londo's talking about a dream he's had. Mm. This woman's actively going through the process of seeing the future. I it forgot seems, that at least. Londo did that. I forgot that. So in med lab, Lady Dira says she's fine. She just had a powerful vision. Oh, when she leaves, Kiro says that she takes the her role as prophet too seriously. And he doesn't really believe her because she's been wrong before. Because on his first birthday, she said that he would be killed by shadows. He asks about the eye again. And he wants to see it because it's the symbol of his house. And they've been trying to get it back for a long time. And just wants to spend some time with it before he hands it off to the emperor. And as they leave, there's some shady guy in the background and he, you know, communicates with somebody saying that he's located the target and that he's commencing surveillance. When he said he wanted to uh, spend some time with the eye, I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Mine. Oh, mine, shiny, precious. He was referred to as Raider Number One. He's played by Whip Hubley. He kept, when he. What? What is his name? Whip? Whip, W-H-I-P, Whip Hubley. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> he kept uh, saying six to one when he was communicating with the guy. The six is a reference to the prisoner. So another prisoner reference. Oh. Next, we see um, Mr. Morden speaking to Delenn. He asked her the same question, what do you want? And she's already heard about his visit to Jakar. She suddenly starts feeling unwell and turns away. She sees that she has a triangle on her head, and she says she's just fatigued. And when she turns around, uh, Mr. Morton looks different to her. She orders him to leave, and after he leaves, she says, they're here. Does he look different? I couldn't tell if it was that or just, like, it was your shadows on him. What did he What did he look different? How did he look different? I he, like, light yeah. changed. Like, what? Yeah. I said the lighting changed. Yeah. Okay, the lighting changed. Yeah, yes. not that his, like, physical, like, he, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I, if it was physical change, I, I missed it. I, I just noticed that it was darker. Yeah. Yeah, um, and she, she says that she wants him to leave, and he leaves. Mm-hmm. Well, she was actually a little crazy. I don't know, I wrote Death Eaters for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Oh, the Death Eaters have that mark on their arm. Oh, okay, that's Ah. probably what I was... She was communicating with Voldemort, and... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay, I was, like, trying to remember when Death Eaters were in uh, Babylon 5. Oh, same here, same here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I first thought, well, you're talking about Death Walker. Oh, no. (laughs) Not here. Yeah, I think you might have been talking about the mark Death Eaters have on their arm and the fact that she's got a mark on her head that disappears. Okay, next we see Lord Kiro looking at... Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. So, she says they're here. That's what she says, right? Right. Yeah, I feel like there was a little bit of prophecy going on, or I... I don't know. Something about the triangle makes me think back to the... Um, to the whole council thing and whatever they were doing with crystals and I don't know. Uh, no, she was just watching Portal Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
But everything was everything on her is like triangle related, or she was playing with the little triangle pieces. I mean, if you even look at her nails, her thing on her head, the pointiness of her headpiece, like everything was pointy and triangly. And are you and trying to say that Membari built the pyramid? Oh, I didn't realize I was trying to say it, but yes, <laughs> yes, that's where you were going. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, that's interesting. What's all that about? <laughs> my my nose in the scene was lovely big Meccano set. I want one. Yeah. <laughs> and I re- I didn't realize how much I missed the lens until yeah, she she's... was finally back and talking stuff. She's been like... oh so briefly though. Yeah. It's like she's been hiding for the past four months from her husband. (laughs) (laughs) Next we see Lori Kiro looking at the eye. Nobody knows it's there except them and the guy who brought it to them. They think the government will try to bring it back to Centauri Prime quietly and claim that they found it. Um, Kiro talks about how things are changing back home. People are unhappy with the leadership. The emperor hasn't been seen in public in over a year, and they want the eye to try to help improve morale. But Kiro says the eye belongs to his family and wonders why he should even give it back to the emperor. Londo just warns him not to do anything foolish, and Kiro leaves and stops and wonders where everything went wrong. And next we see Lady Ladira in bed, and she's hearing voices. Uh, during the destruction of Babylon 5 and her vision. So that was a, was supposed to be from, like, the future future where that she shows to Claire? Is that what that was from? Or was that from something that happened later in the episode, do we think? I know, I got the feeling that it was, I don't know, maybe that attack that happened later in the episode? That's what I, I was also, thinking. Uh, or it could I be was... either... Sorry, I always thought the two were connected. You know, the panic on the station and the station being destroyed were the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Or perhaps it's both. Perhaps the future is so in flux that, you know, it was kind of what happened on the station. Her prophecy and the attack later were the same thing, but later she realised, oh, no, it's actually meant to take place another time. What we're seeing wasn't now. And, you know, and the future is so fluid that the station could have been destroyed then, but it wasn't. Yeah, that's kind of a crazy power, though, if you can see the future. Only if things go exactly as they're supposed to go to get there. <laughs> you know, it's like, if the future is so fluid, I, I don't, I, that would be so annoying to have that power. Mm. Yeah. Knowing just enough so that you're scared about what's going to happen, but not being able to do anything <laughs> about it, and it might right. not happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then once you're wrong once, <laughs> like, nobody believes you. Then you're just crying wolf all the time, and... And just acting like a crazy person like she was. I mean, she, wow, she would be very unfun to have around, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, before we go on as well, the uh, scene between Kiro and um, Lando, you get a nice um, exposition about the Centauri here. You know, we've heard before that the Centauri are in decline, but... Now we're finding out that, you know, their government is dis- dissatisfied with what's happening. People are dissatisfied with the Emperor and um, a few other things are going on that aren't too great as well. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's giving you, you know, world building there, back history there, because, you know, you you understand what's going on on Earth and now you can see what's going on on Centauri Prime and uh, with the Centauri government. 
which is kind of the same thing, you know? You've got detractors on Earth that don't agree, and you've got detractors on Centauri that don't agree, which, of course, makes sense, because people don't always agree. Yeah, and they said, what, the Emperor hasn't been seen for over a year? Yeah, that was weird. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's dead. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's been captured by the Membari. <laughs> <laughs> We see next a transport ship, the Achilles, is uh, detecting raider ships. They send out a mayday, and Sinclair sends out Ivanova with Delta Wing to aid them. And the dramatic theme song plays yeah. as they <laughs> go through the jump gate. That was dramatic. Yes, it was, it was nice that Ivanova got to go out and didn't have to throw a temper tantrum this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be all passive-aggressive. Not so boring anymore, um... We see Ranger number one dude contact his people saying they've taken the bait to keep them busy while they take care of things on B5. Next, we see Kosh arrive on the station. So, out of curiosity, how did they arrive on B5? I mean, it couldn't have been in their little raider ship. That would have been a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they must have other transport ships, like, linked to their big ship or something. Or they got transport through some other way, that some ship that was already going to B5, maybe. Yeah, they must have some contact somewhere. Of course, I've got Nagrath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they should have had Nagrath in this episode. That would have explained a few things. He's just very powerful, that guy. So when Kosh arrives, Mr. Morton seems to be trying to avoid Kosh. My theory is that they're exes and they just don't, he just didn't want to see them at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be too awkward. It's Wait, what? Your, your theory was what? <laughs> that they're exes and Morton just didn't want to have a confrontation with them right now. <laughs> I was going to, about to say, that's the first time we've seen Kosh's ships and the pilot. Oh, yeah. It's a very pretty ship. I have to say his encounter suit, they could have made a little sleeker. <laughs> it looks very unwieldy. Like, how do you get through doors? Okay. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you'll notice you'll never see him go through a door because <laughs> the prop doesn't fit through the doors. He would lose a little bit of his presence when trying to turn around and twist down <laughs> and the door. As we see Delta Wing arriving on the other side of the gate, um, Ivana believes two fighters should watch the gate. Back so, on. Okay. Uh, sorry, I have a question. So, okay, how the gates work. So they have a permanent gate right by Babylon 5, but it can take them anywhere. Um, it takes yeah. them into uh, uh, n- another dimensional plane um, called hyperspace. Mm-hmm. But they can, um, they can r- come out on the other side anywhere, or do they have to come out at pre-established gate? Well, from what you see in this episode, some ships are able to form their own jump points. Those ships can enter and leave anywhere they want. Mm-hmm. Other ships that can't generate their own jump points have to use the gates. And so they have to have pre-established gates on both sides, basically. Right. So they can yeah. all go to certain places. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Some so smaller ships, ships that don't generate their own jump points, have to use the jump gates because it uses a lot of power to open a jump point. Okay. As so back on B5, we see that Kiro is getting ready to leave. Londo leaves his quarters, and this is when he's intercepted by Mr. Morton. And Londo is irritated by him, but Morton keeps pestering him with that same question what do you want he says he's not allowed to leave until londo answers the question londo finally says that he wants his people to reclaim their rightful place in the galaxy and Morton seems happy with this answer so he's not allowed to leave until he answers the question that was kind of interesting yeah 
And also, he was really weird when he got in the elevator and he would just st- like turn towards him and smile. Yeah, he's like so a crazy happy. person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I was about to ask you that question. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, this is exactly the sort of thing that um, JMS liked in his um, performance, this kind of used salesman-type um, attitude in these scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and did, did you notice, though, he was all smiles and positivity. And then Lando answered the question, and that just went away and he was very serious mm-hmm. and was listening intently he just shifted yeah. I'm trying to think about like if this guy has well clearly he has or him or whoever he's working for has power to bring things forth which he was able to get the eye right so yep. how how do you how do you take what Jakar said and what Londo said and like <laughs> how could both of them happen so well well, Londo's answer essentially boils down to something very different from Jakar. Londo wants power and glory for his people. He wants his people to become great and powerful again. Whereas all Jakar wants is revenge. Right, but revenge being that the Centauri are destroyed. Exactly, like you crush their yeah. skulls or whatever he said. Yes, yes but, but, but after he that, what? Yeah, yeah, after that, what? He just wants his people to be safe and secure. He doesn't want his people to become all-powerful, right, you know, an all-powerful empire that's dominating the galaxy. Whereas Lando wants that for his people. He, Lando wants that sort of power and glory for his people. Right. Yeah, like we're thinking like, okay, this why would they show this guy unless he had some kind of power to make things happen? And if, right. and if he did, how could you have both, you know? And, and how would they just how would they how would they put bring forth both uh, scenarios? Yeah, because the Narn ah. can't crush the Centauri and then have the Centauri be all powerful. No, yeah. you can't. So you, how would how would you make that happen? Mm. I guess we'll find out. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I but found yeah. it interesting too that uh that he leaves Delenn. He won't he won't take no for an answer from uh from Jakar and Londo, and then we don't really see what happens with Kosh, which I'm kind of skipping ahead there, but then we find out his suit was damaged, so this whole thing is really strange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah full of signs and portents, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello. And he doesn't ask anything about any from anybody from Earth that we saw. So right. <clears throat> um, and C and C, they find out that Delta Wing is close to the last known position of the Achilles. Something doesn't seem right, and Sinclair wants to see a cargo manifest. Next, we see uh, Raiders. Which, which, by the way, is handwritten or something. <laughs> it's like on a pad of paper. Come on. I thought it was a data pad that he. Uh, oh, is that what it was supposed to be? Okay. Uh, I thought it was a data pad anyway. That would make a lot more sense. S, uh, Raider number one ambushes Londo, Ladira, and Kiro. He takes the eye and he takes the three of them hostage. Back up in CNC, Sinclair sees the manifest and realizes that it's a diversion, calls Delta Wing back. Uh, he asked the CNC guy, the good looking CNC guy, about the ships <laughs> that are scheduled to arrive and depart. Uh, he realizes yeah. that Kiro and Ladira's ship is the one that he wants and he goes to check it out. Yeah, this week we've got two new CNC people with lines. It's not just Kara who has lines in CNC anymore. Yeah. So how did he realize that they were that they were going for 
uh, Ladira's ship? I don't remember. It was. Uh, well, it was. First of all, it was right. This other ship doesn't have anything worth hitting. This ship that's owned by Centauri nobles mm-hmm. hasn't. You know, its manifest seems to be hidden. Uh, so it's a Centauri noble ship. They're probably going to hit that. It's high-profile ship mm-hmm. after all. Yeah. So Lando, Kira, and Ladira, Kiro and Ladira are being escorted when Sinclair intercepts them. Raider One's going to shoot Kiro if anyone tries to stop him. Sinclair lets him go, but after they leave, he orders Garibaldi, who is with Alpha Wing, to damage the ship's engine so they can't get away. They're going to program the jump gate to reject their code so they'll be stuck here. And Ladira says that the shadows are coming for Kiro. Mm. Back in C&C, Sinclair tears Garibaldi to hit them and reel them in. We see a jump gate form, and this big ship, their control ship, emerges. And that's how the raiders get in and out so fast. Babylon 5 gets ready for the attack, and the ship, the control ship, launches some raiders of its own in the battle. It's pretty, and as far as CGI on this show goes, it's pretty decent. Yeah, I think this is the first time we've seen them actually have to use the station's weapons against somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think I think this battle is kind of key because it shows you two things here. It shows that what the show is capable of doing, and also what Babylon Five is capable of doing as well. You know, you see that Babylon Five can handle itself. It's and it's got its fighters. So this, if it's in trouble, this is what it does. And it's also saying as a show. This is what we're capable of doing with special effects, and mm-hmm. this is only the start. Here's a nice teaser for what you can expect in the future. That's cool. So we see people taking shelter, and we hear what I thought were the sounds from Lady Ladira's vision. Alondo uh, okay. uh, uh, thinks he and Ladira should um, something. I guess take shelter, find shelter. She doesn't think it matters. She says the shadows are coming for Lord Kiro. Next, we see more of the battle taking place outside of the station. And then we see Mr. Morden run into Kosh. And Kosh tells him to leave. And we see the lights get dark. Yeah. Uh, and like uh, the red spotlights that always follow Kosh around are there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you saw the red um, emergency lights going on off in the other scene as well. So it's not just following him around. You know, the station's... And on alert, so there's going to be red lights flashing all over the place. It seems like he always has movie lights on him, though. <laughs> um, is this anyone's quote? Is Kasha's? No. Thing? Uh, okay, I, I, uh, no, no, no I think I've got it, a quote. Oh, it yeah, was one of mine, but I've got four or five, so if you want to say it, go ahead. Okay, I just wanted to talk about what it could possibly mean because, of course, Kasha's always cryptic, but he says they are not for you. Mm hmm. Yeah. <sighs> I have no idea what this means. Elizabeth, do you have any ideas? <laughs> well, um, I, I know because I wrote that down too, like in this in this part of my notes. Uh, because yeah, it's very um, seems like a very important statement. I mean, again, what does, what it does show us that Kosh is more knowledgeable about everything than uh-huh. anybody else. So he knows what this guy is, and he knows what he, what he's after. Um, Maybe he gets something when he gets people to tell what they want. Like, he gets something out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he must. Otherwise, like, why would he do it? Um, but 
Uh, do you think that it was like they are not for you, they're for me? <laughs> or like <laughs> or like just like leave them alone because, you know, I don't want you here. Yeah, I think maybe the latter, but mm-hmm. who knows? <laughs> no, they have parts to play in whatever's coming, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, don't mess with these guys. They're important they're gonna be important as as petty as they seem, <laughs> they'll they'll be important. Yeah, it was interesting. I'm even questioning if the they refers to the ambassadors or if it refers to whatever it is that he's getting from the ambassadors when they tell him what they want. Like they could be the I don't know, their desires or or something. Yeah, could be. Or they meaning any of these creatures, you know? Maybe they're like considered lower beings because they they're not knowledgeable of all the secrets of the universe, like the shadows. <laughs> um, I don't know, because Kosh does seem like a higher, like he has way more knowledge about things, and there's all this other stuff going on that that the Centauri, the Narn, and Earth don't know about. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I question whether the Mimbari know about things or not because yeah. we don't ever really get a good look at it. Yeah, and we didn't even get her wish, though. Yeah. I'd still like to just keep calling Morden a genie, though. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Morden the genie. Mm-hmm. You don't think he's a Moldus genie, do you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I was Morden had this oh look on his face like, man, my ex is here. I have to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what he meant by they are not for you. He was, you know, didn't want to give him any of his stuff back. And leave this place. He's got a restraining order on him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, my notes say back in the space, the Centauri, <laughs> or back in outer space, uh, the Centauri ship heads for the Raider mothership. Garibaldi comments that the Raider ships are made for atmosphere as well as space. Interesting. Sinclair comes up with this nifty plan that involves a surprise return by Ivanova and Delta Wing and they defeat the Raiders. And Delta Wing goes after the control vessel, but it gets away. And Susan, um, Susan wants to go after them, but Sinclair orders her not to pursue, and she listens. I kind of thought she was going to do it anyway. I know. It was kind of, oh, Dad! <laughs> I want to go kill the Raiders. <laughs> Is this where he says, go to the technical display, which looked like the least technical display ever? <laughs> <laughs> He said, like, go to the technical display. And it was literally, like, a couple of lines on a screen. It was so untechnical. Well, I didn't have the budget to do a massive technical display, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, don't say it then. <laughs> so, next, uh, Garibaldi's giving a damage report to Sinclair. This is where we find out where um, Kosh's encounter suit had some damage, but he won't say how, but he just wants some equipment to fix it. Mm, he threw him out. I don't know. Yeah, um... It looks like they're, they've hurt the Raiders pretty bad. Maybe enough that they won't be a problem anymore. And next we see Ladira and Londo arrive. Uh, Satari's ship has been registered in her name. And Sinclair wants an explanation for this. And she picks up a mug and sees a vision of the command ship. Yeah, um, she picks up a mug. What It looks like coffee. And coffee that Sinclair's just poured. <laughs> Doesn't she realise how rare coffee is out here? <laughs> Don't use that. Use something else to see the future, please. You're going to waste that coffee. Oh, she's <laughs> rich. She can, she's probably wealthy. 
chicken expensive probably um so that's we cut to the command ship it seems like Kiro and raider number one had a deal together but the raiders are backing out of the deal they want to ransom the eye but in this conversation that's going on a vessel appears out of nowhere and destroys the command ship uh vessel was okay we were confused it might be the vessel it might be a creature it looked like a squid with laser beam was this the thing that we saw in that other episode i think so which episode the one where uh was it monova was out no it was the girlfriend that he would never seen again (laughs) that's right yes when she went on her silly little mission and um and she was out there, and there was the big creature, and then we find out there's things that no one knows about in space. And oh, no, 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 no. That's something completely different. Okay. Yeah, we, when we were doing commentary, we are like, okay, is this what? the same thing? That's different? What the hell is it, this, then? <laughs> it looks, well, it looks very different, doesn't it? I don't remember. If I don't go, remember. If, if you go back, you'll see the design is very different. Okay. At least. That thing at least it looks lasers. very different. But am I wrong? This thing had tentacles, did it not? It had, like, things C- hanging certainly down. Looked that, certainly looked that way. Okay, confused. <laughs> I think you meant to be. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I, thought, I thought for sure it was the same thing as what she had seen. Well, I, I did actually put on my notes giant tentacle ships, so you, we're both on the same page there. Okay. Well, I put down as giant spiders, so what do I know? <laughs> Space spiders. Yes. Laser beams. With lasers. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, Doesn't do my arachnophobia any good? <laughs> Gosh, there's this spider that's been on the roof of the laundry room for the past few days. I could probably should do something about him, but <laughs> just leaving him alone for now. What, yeah. is it like a black widow or something? It's, no, it's not a black widow. It's... um smaller than that but just oh. chilling up there <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, yeah i've also got a comment here i suppose the raiders won't be a problem anymore what's that way no but this guy might be <laughs> yeah there's one thing i was thinking about you know if i don't mind giving some information if jms was actually giving this information at the time the show aired like but only a few people got that information yeah that's though, what so. i was thinking i was like even nowadays not everybody goes online to read about this show but if something minor i don't see a problem in giving it away but well heidi and elizabeth do you want the minor information or do you want to be <laughs> it's your it's up to you really because would you have gone online and um looked at what the showrunner was saying about the show or would you have wanted to be surprised because it's really your experience here typically when i'm watching tv i'm reading stuff online so I don't I'm mind. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I don't mind. Okay, well, it's, it's then it's consistent with how you watch TV, so go ahead, Will. Oh, well, JMS said that the Raiders are gone. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, because no they're really not... nuisance by then. Yeah, they weren't really a big threat, and there's not a lot of places you can go with them, so... Now we have to find a bigger nuisance, probably. Yeah, seems <laughs> like we found them. Maybe the space spider. Giant squid spider. Um, so in B5, Ladira drops the mug that she was holding. And I don't know if this was intentional or not, or, but after that, it seems like there's a shadow on B5, even though it's supposed to be dark all the time. Ooh. I don't know. Mm. If that means anything. Later, we see Ladira leaving because she has responsibilities to attend to. 
Alondo uh, thinks his career is over now but thinks he'll be on his way out shortly after Ladera leaves. Morden comes to see him with a gift from friends he didn't know he had and he leaves. It turns out to be the eye and Londo wants to know how he can thank Morden. This, by this time he's gone and where we hear his voice say, we will find you. Yeah. Okay, I'm confused. Why does Londo think his career is over when he didn't have the eye to begin with and he was doing fine without it? But he, he had told Centauri Prime that, that he had the eye was on the way. He had it. Okay. Yeah, he and had he it. was supposed to hand it over to Kiro. He was responsible for it. Um, and so he thinks he's going to pay the price for losing it because no one else is left to blame. Okay, got it. So did the space spider get the eye to get to Morden? Uh, we don't know. I mean, we didn't see that at all. All we know is Morden somehow got it, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, who is Morden? That's the question now. Oh, yes. He's in a boy band, but also what else is he? <laughs> <laughs> and he's a genie. Yes. We know and many he's... things about him. <laughs> I've spared you from my new kids on the block song so far, but <laughs> maybe I'll put it in the episode at the end. Um, yeah, do it. Um, Garibaldi has assigned some security guards to escort Lady Ladera back. Um, he's had a conversation with Londo about withholding cargo information because if he had known, they might have been able to anticipate things better. They're going to send the prisoners back home because Earth wants to make a big deal out of them. But he's turned up some information. So, oh, sorry. So we find out that basically, probably all the raiders were from Earth, maybe, because that's why they're all getting sent back to Earth. Yeah. And that matters, really, because they're not going to be yeah, back in war. Mm-hmm. But we, we were speculating about yeah. that. Exactly. I think this is just probably a further thing of we're sending them to Earth so you can forget about them. Right. <laughs> Garibald. Like oh, sorry. Dr. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, where's Talia? Where's Talia? <laughs> man, maybe she'll be sent back to Earth. So we'll, <laughs> Will oh, I don't know. We can only, uh, well, hope. you've got to set this animosity aside. <sighs> no, I want her to show up just so. <laughs> but I, but seriously, while I was watching this episode, even I was thinking, like, where the heck is Talia? We haven't seen her in a while. Even well, I and was when, you, when you see, like, psychic things happening and then, you know, things like this, it kind of brings her to mind. Like, why isn't she here, like, doing mm-hmm. something? Yeah, exactly. Plot convenience, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, Garibaldi's found out that Sinclair was pretty far down the list for Commander of B-5. The men- <laughs> Sorry, Sinclair. The Minbari had approval and they rejected each person on the list until they got to Sinclair. So what is it? Mm. Next we see Ladira showing Sinclair her vision of Babylon 5 exploding as one little ship escapes. She explains that the future is always changing and this is only a possible future. And that's the end of the episode. Of course, it's only a possible yeah, future. In, uh, I hate in that. The comment, you said that in the commentary. Uh, um, so you don't <laughs> expect it to come true then? Well, it could, but there's all these ways around it. You know, I mean, it's just like prophecies on anything. I, I like it when prophecies have to come true. And whether you can find a way around it with it coming true that's different but the event that has been seen has to happen i don't like it when it's this whole wishy-washy of oh well if someone else decides to step on a bug in algeria then the future will be different 
because yeah. then the prophecies don't matter at all. Yeah, I agree. I, okay. I have to ask, sorry, I, I have to ask this question. Out of the two, well, quote unquote, prophecies that we've seen, uh, Londo dying and this, which of the two do you think we'll see? Or will we see both or, or will we see neither? I mean, Londo dying with fighting with Jakar? Yeah. That could happen any time, really. That's true. <laughs> I would think that one over this one. I, although maybe this is like the series finale of the show, Babylon 5 blowing up. Because <laughs> I feel like we would have to call it something different if it happens before the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, and I was kind of speculating that maybe she was talking about another, like, you know, the another Babylon getting destroyed. But, uh, like, if, you know, Babylon 4 shows up again or something. But she did say this ship. Like, when she was on it, she said this ship, you know, so I don't know. How that could be. So I would guess that I actually would guess that the Babylon blowing up would be what happened versus the other one. Only because I don't know they want to kill off Wando as a character. Um, but that's just my guess. Bill Blair had an unaccredited role as alien in this episode. It's one of his 69 appearances on the show. <laughs> and this episode was originally titled Raiding Party, but. He thought it would be cool if it had the same name as the season arc. Oh, okay. So they named the season arc, and then they named this episode. Right. I thought it was the opposite. Okay. I think that's, yeah. He told a story um, about when Ed Wasser, he, Ed Wasser went into, after he, this episode aired, he went to a flower shop to get some flowers for a friend who was sick, and the guy that owned the shop, came over to him and said, what do you want? And he answered, <laughs> uh, I want some flowers. But the flower shop owner's like, well, what do you want? And the guy was like, um, just some stuff for a friend who's sick. And he kept, yes, well, what do you want? But then he finally realized that the flower shop owner had seen the episode. <laughs> but the flower shop owner thought the scene was from Deep Space Nine. He's got it mixed up in his head. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, at least he saw the scene. You yeah, know, it's pretty cool. But um, yeah, JMS made a comment about how we kind of uh, maybe assume that Mr. Morton may be a bad guy, but we've seen Kosh do some pretty, you know, terrible things, but we think of him as a good guy, oh. like blowing up the <laughs> ship and doing that stuff to Talia. I think of him as kind of a gray guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. They asked JMS what he wants, and he said, I'll have fries with that. <laughs> he mentioned, yeah, he was, I don't know what the question was, but he was saying that having a station commander and a representative from Earth can be cumbersome, so that's why we only have the station commander. Mm-hmm. says it's cleaner yeah. this way, and it's no different from the sailing vessels of the 18th century and before when the captain was expected to perform as the official representative of his com- country. Mm-hmm. So I think before, unless you've got anything else, Will, yeah. about the episode, do you? Sorry. I don't know. Um, I just wanted to ask everyone, what do you want? <laughs> I want uh, breakfast. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> I want eggs and bacon. Okay, that's one answer. Heidi, what do you want? Hmm. I want to sit down and just read a book. Good answer. And Elizabeth, what do you want? 
<laughs> like, I'll say that without laughing. <laughs> uh, I want uh, more episodes that uh, that further the plot. You know, more interesting episodes like this. So, Babylon 5 related. <laughs> it is. Shane, what do you want? What do I want? <laughs> I want the next year of when done with so I can get re-elected. Okay. But what do you I want? Suppose someone, yeah, I was going to say, someone's got to ask me now. <laughs> what do you want, Ian? Um, to finally read a piece of feedback without fluffing once. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I did miss one thing. Science, we said science importance is a biblical reference. Well, I think he explained. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, for the end of the world? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well, thanks. That was very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about quotes of the week? I forgot to... Oh, I do have one quote. I have a quote. Uh, Ivanova says, sure, grab it, shove it, shove it, and stuff it. Coming to her alarm <laughs> clock. Yeah, I've got the one after that. Why does my mouth always taste like old carpet in the morning? <laughs> I know. So stop I eating medical over. log. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I have Jakar. What do I want for supper? What do I want to do this evening? I see fire. I see death, destruction, fire. Babylon will fall. This place will be destroyed. Fire, death, pain. Fire, death, pain. Yep, I have that one down. Okay, I have a question in the form of a quote. Well, not in the form of a quote. So Jakar says, you can kiss my pouch. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that... Uh, I'm not going to answer that yet. Okay. <laughs> but if you want, I want someone to do the full back and forth with me if someone's willing to do um, Londo or Jakar, because actually, if someone else can do Londo, because I'll start with the Jakar bit. Oh, I don't have it. Um, no, you don't. Oh, well, I'll, I'll just go through it on my own then. One more comment like that, and you will be part of the excess population. Then, Lander. Ha! Threats. Yes, threats. Now you can go to hell, and you can kiss my pal. And then both of them, now look what you made me do. <laughs> uh, any others? Um, nuts. <laughs> Alright, how about we go to characters of the week? Who is our human of the week? Actually, sorry, sorry well, there's oh. actually something I forgot to bring up. Okay. They're using the bathroom. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, that's yes. <laughs> Using the bathroom. Yeah. Okay, that's too much. Uh, go ahead, Shane. There's more. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there is. Uh, if you look, if um, if you look very very closely, it's obviously a man's bathroom because they've got a uro- urinal. They have a female cast member walking past them, and the only place you should go is in the bathroom. Well, BSG had unisex bathrooms. Why can't they? Well, but they, they had, had a male symbol. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe uh-huh. it's just a human symbol. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know. And they've got separate bathrooms for the other races. So they have a human symbol that's a man symbol. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> just to screw up. Um. Yeah, um, and you notice how they were washing their hands in some sort of light thing. They didn't have running water because they're in a self-contained space station. They're using some sort of light thing that cleans their hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if it gets dirt off or just like sanitizes. <laughs> this is what I think about. Uh, but yes, uh, they have bathrooms. <laughs> oh, they have bathrooms. Good to know. No, that was a little weird. Cause uh, yeah, no. I don't like talking in the bathroom. <laughs> I hate it when people try to talk to me in the bathroom at work. <laughs> so who's our human of the week? Well, 
I didn't even, I forgot to write down the suggestion. Well, I was thinking. Time with this. How about Garibaldi? Because he was able to find out some information. I'll go with Garibaldi anyways, because he was, was able to, say... go ahead. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good choice. But then again, you know, um, Sinclair came up with the, um, battle strategy, didn't he? But Garibaldi's missing out on human the And Sinclair has known about this for four four months and hasn't been able to find out anything, and Garibaldi found it out while a battle was going on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So can we go with Garibaldi? Yeah. We can go with Garibaldi. Okay. How about Alien of the Week? Hmm. Well, you know, I'd like to say say Morden, but I'm not sure he's an alien, so... I'm not sure if he's human or alien. I would think he would be, just because, like, he kind of, like, became invisible at the end. Yeah, yeah, I would think so, but, I mean, there's no true indication of that, because he technically looks human, so. Mm -hmm. I was thinking Lando, but... I could, I'm not, Lando's I'm the easier one. Yeah. But Lando's the easy answer, really, in this episode. I don't have a strong preference. Well, I'll go with Morton just because I think he's an alien. <clears throat> Any objections? Not really. Okay. So now let's do our episode ratings. How, I'm gonna start us off, Shane. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I would have to give this probably an eight and a half. Out of ten. Alright. Eight and a half. What? Ooh. Eight and a half. Um, really, really ugly Centauri. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Centauri eyes. You thought that was ugly? I thought it was pretty. Uh, wanna go next, Heidi? Yeah, um, I really enjoyed this one. We, of course, got information and got new questions, but that's the, that's just the order of things. So, um, I'm gonna give this one Nine out of ten. What do you want? Uh, <laughs> how about you, Elizabeth? Yeah, I like how we um, we didn't really get a lot of answers. We got a couple, but it really was like setting you up for the future. And um, while I didn't really care too much for the Raider plot, I liked everything else, and I liked the interesting Morden character. And you know, I think what's going to happen with the triangle on Flynn's forehead, and you know, uh, so yeah, um, I'll go with. Eight and a half, really slow elevators. <laughs> uh, what do you say, Ian? Yeah, I also really like this episode. Um, it, it does. It gives you a couple of small answers and sets up a whole load of other questions. You're peeling back the onions and you're getting even deeper into this series now. I'm going to give it eight and a half as well. Eight and a half tentacle ships out of ten. I also really enjoyed this episode. I like the mystery. I love a good mystery as long as they're not up in the air for too long. I like the new questions and some of the old questions answered. I'll give it nine out of ten destroyed raider ships. Nice. That's pretty high ranking. Yeah. Total for the episode is 8.7. Highest of the series, I think, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Nice. Of all the signs, okay. We have feedback again. Thanks for sending feedback, everybody. Yes, thank you. First, we got a review mm-hmm. on iTunes from Yodel Bell. Thanks for the review. If you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes and give us a review that helps us out. 
Thank you, Yodelbell. Yodelbell mentioned that she likes our occasional musical jokes. With so that's all the excuse I need to put. Some oh more yeah, music. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, like. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was my childhood, guys. That was a lot of our childhood. Um, I know. I'm trying to forget. Aww. Oh, <laughs> sorry. And we got some feedback. We got a comment on our website for by any means necessary from board 99. Anyone want to read that? Yeah. Uh, okay. that one. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was incredibly embarrassed by how much time reading my comments took up on your podcast. So let's Aww. keep this shorter oh, and boil okay. it down to two items. Okay. It's okay. One, to bring up hand acting and not mention Peter Jurassic's watch Londo's, watch Londo's hands in the next big scene that you see him in. Mm. Number two, Sign's importance is a good opportunity to ask the two ambassadors to comment on what they think of the overall story of the show so far and what their, what would be their assessment where it might go from here. How has it lived up or not to their expectations? And are there any specific plot elements concerning, concerning which they're anxious to see how things develop? I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts. Hmm. So, well, we uh, might yeah. well pause there and let you answer Ward's um, questions. Well, in terms of specific plot elements that I'm anxious to see how things develop, for sure, um, with Sinclair and Delenn, I want to know what's happening there, as I'm sure Heidi does as well. Yes. <laughs> and what what Kosh's deal is, and also now with this new guy, like, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, all those I'm really, really interested in hearing more about. Yeah, and as far as the show so far, I'm... I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, there have been some really good episodes and some not so good episodes. But as far as the overall story, I'm definitely interested and want to know, you know, where it's going and what's happening because there's lots and lots of questions. Yeah, I know. I am enjoying it as well. I, um, the story so far, I mean, we've got pieces of an overall story, um, but not, I mean, we've gotten a lot of other things that I think will come up later in little one-offs that are probably going to lead to the overall story. So I don't think they're wasted. Um, and where it might go from here, I don't, I really don't know. Like that, I, I, I'm sure that we're going to explore more of the universe and find more or different species or whatever. That's, that's what I see uh, coming up. All right, next we have email from Victor DeGrand. Who wants to take Victor's email? Um, sure, I can read it. Um, from Victor. This was an important episode. In a lackluster first season, it gave us a glimpse of how good Babylon 5 might become. A young man named Warden arrives on B5. He seems like a handsome, <clears throat> personable fellow, but then one should not always judge a book by its cover. He pesters Jakar with his one question, what do you want? For the single-minded Jakar, there is an easy answer, destroy the Centauri. Then Morden asks Delenn and finds that when the Mimbari want to, they can be as cryptic as the Vorlon. Suddenly, Delenn sees something sinister. A triangle appears on her forehead and she completely freaks out. Or maybe she was just upset because he interrupted her game of Jenga. <laughs> That's what it was, I think. <laughs> Morden sees Ambassador Kosh, but doesn't ask him. He wants no part of Kosh and heads the other way. Finally, he tracks down Londo, who is much more ambitious than Jakar. He wants the Centauri to reclaim their rightful place in the galaxy and command the stars. Eventually, Kosh tracks down Morden and orders him away. You know things are really serious when Kosh actually makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, as much as he can make sense. Right. <laughs> 
As a result of this exchange, Kosh would later report that his encounter suit was damaged. I have a pet theory about Kosh. I think his encounter suit may be like one of those Russian nesting dolls. There are several suits all stacked inside each other, and way down at the bottom there is a tiny little Ambassador Kosh operating the whole contraption. <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. You know what I think of when you say that? I think of like Pinky and the Brain and how Brain would have like this big huge suit and just his little tiny mouse head sticking out <laughs> the top. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, continuing, that would explain why the poison didn't get him in the pilot movie. Didn't it though? Well, yeah, because he was sick from it. Wasn't he? Anyways, uh, meanwhile, Lady Ladira arrives on B5. She has been blessed with the gift of prophecy and also the curse of overacting. (laughs) Just kidding. She's okay. No, you're right. She does overact. (laughs) She sees a vision of fire, pain, death. More fire, lots of pain, more death. Well, you get the idea. Well, Lord Kiro isn't troubled by this because she also predicted that he would someday be killed by shadows. And that didn't happen, right? I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, Lord Kiro, if I were you, I wouldn't buy any long plane records. (laughs) He turns out to be quite the schemer. He wants to use the eye to seize the throne, but he is robbed of it and taken prisoner by raiders who managed to escape from Babylon 5. Only when his ship is safely away do we find out that Kiro isn't a hostage. He's the mastermind behind the plot to steal the eye. Oh wait, now he really is a hostage because the raiders have double-crossed him and want to ransom both him and the eye back to the Centauri. If you haven't followed all that, it doesn't matter because a strange black spidery looking ship appears and blows them all to hell and gone. <laughs> Squid. In the end, Londo has a visitor. It's his new friend Morden, who has come bearing a gift. The eye? Hmm, how did he get that? And just in case there wasn't enough in this episode, Sinclair learns that a hundred more qualified candidates were passed over because the Mimbari insisted that he be placed in command of Babylon 5. Here it is, three centuries in the future, and it's still who you know, not what you know. That's depressing. <laughs> it's hard to rate this episode. I think veterans who know what is coming may rate it higher than newbies, but I will give it a nine nested encounter suits out of ten. Regards, Victor. Well, thanks, Victor. Hey. <laughs> Cheers, Victor. Yeah. Our next email is from Laurie. He wants to take Laurie's email. Okay, I can. It's quite short, so little chance of me messing it up. It is what I want, after all. Okay, here's Laurie's little uh, feedback. There is quite a lot to discuss in this episode, so I will just touch upon a few parts. The beginning scene with Ivanova complaining about the morning and the dark is so perfect for the character, and I'm counting on someone to have the exchange with Sinclair as a quote. Mm. Sorry about that. We only got bits of a quote, not the full thing, but it was a good exchange. Anyway, she continues... I watched the commentary for this and JMS mentioned how he is Russian and somewhat of Ivanova's Russian outlook comes from himself. Loved the elevator scene. It's took quite well to make the human stuck in the middle look very small. Great instant change between Lando and Jakar. So it looks like the eye, sorry, so the eye looks like a Christmas tree ornament but Mm. it seems to be very important to the Centauri as a sign of power, a sign of past power that they want to have again. I wonder what Londo will do with it. And the most important question for the newbies of the week, what do you want? Mm -hmm. Mr. Mr. Morden wants to know. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to hearing what you thought of the answers from the ambassadors. Did you notice... 
the bathroom scene at the end with the men's sign. Had never noticed this on previous watches until GMS pointed it out on the commentary. There's some sort of auto cleaner for hands. Looks futuristic. But then a woman walks in while Sinclair and Gal Ribaldi are walking out. Apparently a directing mistake. Mm. Rating 9 out of 10 annoying alarm clocks. One less point for the acting by the radio, who just seemed very wooden and took me out of the story somewhat. Human, Mr. Morden. Well, is he human? We don't know. (laughs) I think she's putting it there because he looks human. And so she's classing him as human. We've classed him as alien. We don't know yet. He looks human. That's all I'm saying, Laurie. Anyway, your alien of the week is Lady Ladera. Wow. (laughs) Thanks, Laurie. Thanks, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. And you've just um, thrown a real um, question out there. You know, is Morden human or is he alien? Mm. Well, looking below, it seems like another person is putting him in the human category. So, I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> so, from, I'll read the email from Yan. Hello, fellow lurkers in Down Below. Here's some feedback for science importance. Uh-oh, Raiders again. But as opposed to several previous episodes, the Raider plot is integrated. We have three apparently different plot lines merging into one. I like that. Raiders with a big mothership, so that's how they could get in and out so quickly. The Eye, the very symbol of Centauri aristocracy, has been found, and Lord Kiro wants to use it as leverage. He was not very successful, was he? Lord Kiro's aunt... The, the seer Lady Ladera sees the destruction of Babylon 5 and conveys the vision to Sinclair, saying that it is a possible future. Her strange prediction about Lord Kiro makes sense. And L- Little sense. Oh, little sense. <laughs> My bad. Who is this mysterious Mr. Morden asking everyone, what do you want? What is his agenda? The reason for the title is rather obvious. It is full of signs and importance of what is to come or might come. I like Ladira's statement to Sinclair that we create our own future with our thoughts and our deeds, how we react to our circumstances. But this episode creates so many questions like, did Londo give the answer Mr. Morden was looking for? I think he did. When he comes back with the eye, what did he mean with friends you did not know you had? Was it just me or did the we will find you ambassador sound ominous? Uh, no, it was not just you. <laughs> <laughs> What did Delin perceive that others did not, and where did the triangle from her forehead come from? It was her game, was it? <laughs> oh, what did Kosh mean? They are not for you. Leave now. And why was his encounter suit damaged? He did ask for repair stuff after all. What would lead to the destruction of Babylon 5 if that really will happen? Are we done with the Raider plotline? Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> we can answer that. <laughs> Yay, we can answer one thing. As you can imagine, this opens so many doors in the story, and it is difficult to see which threads will come true. JMS is one of those storytellers who will sometimes show an end result and then later show how we end up there, and mostly we will be surprised. Rating nine out of, nine and a half out of ten, what do you want questions? A quote, we will find you, Ambassador, we will find you. Alien, Londo, human, Mr. Morden. That's it for now. Watch out for all the signs and portents. Yan the Babylon Lurker. Thanks, Yan. Uh, Before we go any further, there's actually a review on the British iTunes store. Ah. Yeah, I was asking for one of these. Oh, thank you. So we've got one. From who? Um, It's from Ramble181. He's given us a full five stars. 
Nice. Yay. Titling his comment, best down below. He says, fun podcast that reignited my fascination with this great series. Nice mix of long-term fans and newbies. Oh. So, yeah, thanks, Ramble818. Hopefully you can send something in sometime. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. Thanks for all the feedback, everybody. If you want your feedback included on the show, send it to mail at downbelowpodcast.com. <laughs> uh, how about predictions? Uh, the name of the next episode is TKO. Like technical knockout? Yeah. Well, I think we'll be uh, maybe hearing a song by Justin Timberlake next week. <laughs> uh, let me make a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, that's a podcast prediction, not really an episode <laughs> prediction. <laughs> well, they're still valid. <laughs> well, <laughs> is it a boxing episode? <laughs> do we find do we find out that Sinclair was a boxer back in the... I don't know. Um, Who would be the boxer? Um, I want to see one of a box. Oh, It yeah. could be, yeah. Talia. <laughs> <laughs> BSG had a boxing episode. Yeah, that's what I was thinking <laughs> Uh, I really didn't like that one. Yeah, yet. it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Hmm, Ko. Hmm. Well, maybe there will be an intergalactic boxing match. Wouldn't that be cool? Like aliens and humans fighting each other. <laughs> I want to predict that one. I just think of angels the ring. Oh yeah. Why do you got to break it down? <laughs> um. Two things enter. One thing leaves. <laughs> uh. God, that's, that's, yeah, typical, difficult uh, title. Maybe it'll be uh, intellectual boxing, like, you uh, know, fighting among, I don't know, Lando and Jakar. Yeah, God, we're fighting among Lando and... Well, we, and there, there has to be fighting between Lando and Jakar. wouldn't be an episode about <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, hopefully... I don't know. It doesn't sound like it's going to be about the Sinclair Delenn, unfortunately. But who knows? Yeah, I'll just have to go with my silly plot, which is uh, intergalactic um, boxing tournament. Nice. Any overall predictions for you know the series as a whole or for the rest of this season? Yeah, a couple things came to mind. Um, first of all, this is more a uh, observation than an actual prediction. But um, when Delenn's friend was attacked in the episode, I can't remember what the what the episode title was, but um, when the invisible people were attacking the aliens, um, yeah. they put a mark on her forehead. And I now cannot remember exactly what the mark was, if it was possibly a triangle. I think it kind of looked like a male-female symbol together, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, that was... So anyway, just the fact that they marked her forehead, and then in this episode, Delenn, like, had a triangle appear on her forehead? I don't know. Thinking there's maybe something there, like, maybe that's the reason that they marked her forehead, is because this is something that is... There's something that happens with Mimbari. I have no idea what, but, uh, but yeah, maybe that's connected somehow. And then my prediction, um, is that... Obviously, the Mimbari have uh, placed Sinclair in this position to uh, marry Delenn and put <laughs> her in a high position of power on Babylon 5, where they can uh, together rule and affect all of the different alien races. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just an update on your old theory, then. You're just clarifying it further. Yes. Well, I think maybe the thing on her triangle might link her to Sinclair somehow, or link her to something. Link her to her home world. The Great Council will link her to Sinclair somehow. And um, I think that Sinclair is somehow related to her, the prophecies of their people. Um and that he is going to be important to the future of their race, maybe. Um, that's sort of where my thoughts are leading. I, like, as, as I predicted before, I think maybe the Babylon will blow up at some point. Um, I don't know why, but uh, but then some of the important people will be escaping on that spaceship that came out. I think we'll see more about the big creatures that, um, well, I, I don't know what the, what is the difference between the creatures that Sinclair's missing girlfriend saw or the squiddy tentacly creature, um, but there's definitely things that we don't know much about that's gonna that's gonna come back come up, and that I think that um, either either or both uh, Londo or Jakar will get what they want, but of course it won't be in a way they wanted it, <laughs> hmm. so there'll be problems that way. So. I don't know. I I had predicted at least one genocide for the season, so maybe I'll just stick with that prediction. Um, uh, I don't know. Tanya, do you think we're going to see Mr. Morden again? I hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely set it up for him to come back. You know, will uh, will contact you or whatever he said at the end. So yeah, yeah, in whatever form he appears, I guess. Well, it's mm-hmm. not human or not, but. Um, so you think him and, and Kosh tussled then? <laughs> and Kosh like, physically had to throw him out? I, I don't know. Or maybe he has some kind of power that he did something to Kosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. maybe he does have some. I mean, he has some power somehow. Or I don't know if it's him or he, maybe he's just a messenger. But how did he get that eye, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he's there's something, there's some string puller out there. Some, some things that are more powerful than we know. And... I hope we explore that well. I hope it's not just thrown out there and then we don't figure out what it is because that's a lot of power to have to be able to get that eye from the middle of space that was from a ship that was destroyed. Maybe that's what the beam was that blew up the, the ship. It, like, first detracted the eye and then... Oh, yeah. Tractor beam. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's really weird. <laughs> there was a lot of weird stuff in this episode. Yeah. And hopefully we don't see Ladira again, but she, she was kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> more Talia, more Talia. <laughs> I guess Perhaps that's, that's what next week battle is going to be, a battle between Ladira oh, and Talia. A, a, mind, like, a mind war, like the kind of mind war we were predicting when <laughs> mind war started. If that's the case, you won't see me in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, do you think we're ever going to see Sinclair's girlfriend again, or is she completely gone? Well, you know, his last girlfriend uh, disappeared too, so they just they just leave. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, he is married now, I guess. So that's true. Just like Kodath, they all did seem to uh, just disappear. Oh, uh, maybe Delenn got rid of her. Kodath? No. Uh, whatever. Oh, yeah. Catherine. Yeah. Catherine. Yeah. Yes, I keep. I can never remember between Catherine and Caroline, Carolyn, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it makes me think of uh, one season of 24 
Uh, I want to say it was Andrea Thompson who plays Talia. Uh, whoever Jack Barrow was dating, she was stuck in traffic one episode, and then we never heard from her again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> By the way, twenty fours back on Monday. I know. I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Kind of snuck up on me. I'd forgotten about it. I know. Me too. It's actually airing on the same day in the UK. It's on Sky. Oh, oh nice. All right. So, Shay, thanks for coming back to be with us. I know you're going to be back at least one more time before the end of the season. Yeah, yeah it's definitely. Shane. Yeah, it's definitely. I'm really looking forward to that one because it's actually my, one of my favorite episodes of the entire five years. Oh, wow. Oh, great. <laughs> no pressure yeah, thank- on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for stepping in at the last minute as well. Yeah. No problem. No problem at all. Uh, so tell us where we can find you out on the interweb. Uh, on the uh, Red Dwarf Intercast. Uh, we've only got a few more episodes left of that. And um, I'm also doing another podcast called Oh No You Didn't. Oh No You Didn't. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> doing the worst in sci-fi and fantasy in TV and films. And yes, we are covering Believers. Yes. <laughs> I like to hear that one. All right. Um, join us next week for TKO. That's all we have for today, folks. So until next time, take care. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. And remember, answer the question, what do you want? us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.com.